High-Altitude Cooking The September morning sky hung thick with leaden clouds when Larry Cook set out at the trailhead. A northern breeze whisked through the pines, chilling him with a soft chorus of whispers. He looked up at the towering mountain faces. Snow-dusted summits and craggy rock outcroppings surrounded him. Onward and upward, he took a deep breath and snugged the straps on his pack, then set out, intent on making his way to the high country. A short way up the trail, he stopped to wipe his brow and catch his breath. The sixty pounds of pack and thinner air made the climb harder than he'd anticipated, but he was determined not to turn back. I can't believe it. This week I'm here. Last week I'm sitting at Ken's bar. Bet you five hundred bones you can't make it, Ken said, refilling Larry's mug. You're on, sucker. Larry pushed his hair back from his forehead, then rubbed his beer belly. Even though I don't have any experience in the woods, I'm in great shape. For five hundred, I'll be ready for anything. Put your money where your mouth is, Ken slapped five one hundred dollar bills on the bar. My uncle runs his own store, Yukon Jacks. You can rent your gear there. Talk to him. He's an expert in high-altitude cooking and survival techniques. Got trapped in the mountains with a group back in the 50s. He's the only one that survived. How did he do it? Ken smiled. Never talked about it much. But he still backpacks? He says once you get a taste for it... Bullshit. I could probably teach your uncle a few things. I'll learn as I go. On my own. Shooting fish in a barrel. He looked up the trail. I can do this, he said between breaths. I'm a goddamn Grizzly Adams. He set off, again climbing, then resting, then climbing, slowly working his way up the trail. By late morning, he'd made it past a rock-strewn gully and pushed his way into the pine and birch that covered the lower slopes. He'd stopped for lunch at a fork in the trail, pulled out his map and compass and checked his progress. About two miles in. He studied the contours of his map, tracing one with his finger. Climbed about 2,000 feet. He could still hear the gravelly voice of Ken's uncle. You're sure you're up to this, son? The old man stroked his salt and pepper beard and appraised Larry. Then the phone rang. He held up a finger. Back in a minute. Larry glanced around to be sure no one was looking, then slipped a $120 survival knife under his jacket. The old man came back a few minutes later with a map. His eyes narrowed. For a moment, Larry thought he'd been caught. Then the old man's eyes brightened. The old Diablo Loco Trail, right here. He put a gnarled finger on the map. Up near the big pine section of the Sierra Nevadas. Nothing up there but bears, birds, and squirrels. He clapped his bony hand on Larry's shoulder. You're gonna love it. I am loving it. Larry propped his feet up on his pack and put his hands behind his head. Tough going. I'm beat, but this is great. No one around. Two squirrels ran across the branches above him and scampered down the trunk of the tree next to where he sat. He lifted his head and they stopped. One of them sat up on his haunches and studied Larry for a moment before chattering his disapproval. Then it bounded off into the surrounding foliage. Cute little bastards. He smiled to himself as he dozed. He sat up, jolted from his nap. More chattering. He listened attentively. There it was again. Those squirrels sure are pissed. He cocked his head and cupped his hand behind his ear. Weird. 
That ain't squirrels, it's people. Howard, a whiny voice said from down the trail. I told you we shouldn't have come. This isn't good for your heart. Wrong, Mildred, the gravelly voice replied. You shouldn't have come. If anything's bad for my heart, it's your constant nagging. No, can't be. How could you say such a thing after all these years? Too many years. I'm getting out of here before they see me. I'm not going to put up with all that jabbering. Larry stood, shouldered his pack, and turned to head up the trail. But the whiny voice stopped him before he could escape. Young man! Larry's shoulders tightened. Busted. He turned and scowled at the approaching couple. Ken's uncle and some old bat. Young man, the woman repeated, could you talk to my husband and tell him this is bad for his health? Larry studied her, stocky with straight brown hair and doughy face which held a frown that looked permanent. She appeared to be in her late fifties. He nodded at the two of them. He hadn't seen her in Yukon Jacks. The uncle's probably in on it with Ken. Want to watch me fuck up. Your husband's done this before. Larry studied the man's smoldering eyes. His defiant look and the lines on his face made him look older than his nagging wife. He runs a damn backpacking store. He's too frail for this strenuous activity. I don't need this shit. Don't mind my wife, the old man said, winking. She's a little overwrought, that's all. No shit, Sherlock. Sounds like you should have left her at home. Howard would be lost without me. The woman put a meaty hand on her husband's shoulders. He needs me to take care of him. No one asked you to come. Something flickered in the old man's eyes. A chill raced up Larry's spine. Look, you nursing home rejects, he said. Leave me out of your bullshit problems. They both looked at him for a moment, their faces blank, then resumed their argument. Larry left. They didn't notice. The sky dimmed with the coming of sunset, but Larry couldn't see the sun. The thick carpet of clouds shrouding it hadn't changed since morning. The trail opened onto a large field, making it harder to follow. He did his best, but knew nightfall would approach quickly. He wanted to get out of the open. When he got to the trees on the other side, he lost the trail. He went about half-mile into the woods in a futile effort to regain it, but realized he was tired and hungry. The fading light made it hard to read his compass, so he found a small clearing and stopped. I'll find the trail in the morning. He set up his propane stove, took out his mess kit. Let's see what's on the menu. He pulled out a package of freeze-dried beef stroganoff, mixed it with water, and cooked it. So this is what high-altitude cooking is all about. Ain't shit. What the hell could that old geezer have shown me? How to light a match? He chuckled at his own joke. After eating, he unrolled his sleeping bag and stowed everything else in his pack. The cloud cover had disappeared, leaving a clear sky. He decided against pitching his tent and opted to sleep under the stars. Exhausted, he leaned his pack against a tree, crawled into his sleeping bag, and fell asleep. He awoke to a sound of tearing, accompanied by scratching and grunting noises. Rolling onto his side, he looked over at the tree. A few feet from his head, he saw a massive black form in the moonlight, pawing and shredding his pack with its teeth and claws. Fucking bear! Larry's breath caught in his chest. He froze, afraid to move. What's he gonna do? 
He's eating my food and wrecking my pack. What do I do? He thought of yelling. No, that'll piss him off. He'll come after me. Larry inched the sleeping bag up over his head and watched the bear through an opening in the top. Though the bag was warm, cold sweat poured off him. His teeth chattered and his heart hammered in his chest. He bit down hard on his lip and drew blood. God, what? he smells my blood, my sweat. He lay motionless as the bear ripped the pack apart and devoured his food. A branch snapped somewhere behind him. Larry jumped. The bear turned toward him, reared up on his hind legs and moved his head from side to side before stopping, its eyes seemingly locked on Larry's. It lowered itself to its forepaws and lumbered toward the sleeping bag. Larry scrunched his eyes shut as the bear's snout came close to his head. A moment later, the hot stench of the animal's breath filled his nostrils. Our Father who art in heaven. A blast of hot breath exploded in his face as the bear barked. Larry lost control of his bladder. Wet warmth spread. He couldn't stop himself from shivering. Then he sneezed. The bear bounded off into the surrounding woods. Larry opened one eye, then the other. Gone. He unclenched his teeth, wincing as he pulled them from his lip. They'd gone all the way through. Hot flush of blood filled his mouth and he blacked out. Larry opened his eyes to morning light. The shroud had returned to the sky. His lip throbbed. Blood had crusted on his chin and neck. His body ached from the previous day's hike. Crawling out of his sleeping bag, he examined the remains of his pack. The frame hung broken and twisted, like the aftermath of a train wreck. Shredded cloth and paper lay strewn about the base of the tree. His map had been destroyed, his compass shattered, its needle hopelessly mangled. A gust of wind kicked up, bringing with it the first driving flakes of cold, biting snow. Larry shivered, half from cold, half from fear. All he had were the clothes on his back and his sleeping bag. Who the hell says I'm not the outdoor type? This ain't shit. He stumbled off in search of the trail, back in the direction he thought the field might be. Snow fell thicker and heavier. Larry stepped up his pace. Goddamn Grizzly Adams, that's what I am. He wandered for a couple of hours before stopping and sitting against a tree to catch his breath. Snow covered the ground. He still hadn't found the clearing. Pulling the sleeping bag around his shoulders, he tried to orient himself, but the landscape had no recognizable features. Hunger gnawed at his gut and his throat felt dry. His lips throbbed. Scraping up a handful of snow, he filled his mouth, greedily swallowing the water as it melted. He leaned back, closed his eyes, and fell asleep. When Larry awoke, Fresh snow blanketed him and the surrounding terrain. He stood, shook off the white powder, and stretched. The snow continued to fall. Gotta keep going, find the trail, find my way out of here. Wonder what happened to Ken's uncle and the old broad. Maybe they'll have food. He felt weak, but pushed on. The sky turned darker. Night's coming. Gotta get him to camp, build a fire. One book of matches, gotta make him count. He found a spot in a semicircle of jagged boulders to shelter himself from the wind and gathered wood. He cleared away some snow to build a fire, but his hands were numb and wood wet. He went through most of his matches trying to get the fire lit, but it wouldn't catch. 
he decided to save his last two matches, climbed into his sleeping bag and held close to the rocks to wait out the night. By daybreak, the snow had stopped. The sun rose from behind a distant peak, but the cold air numbed him. He clapped his hands, stamped his feet to warm them, but it didn't help. He set off in hopes of finding the trail and restoring his circulation. As the sun gained altitude, the snow began to melt until he found himself sloshing through puddles. He tried to avoid them at first, but after his feet were soaked, he didn't care. That night, he'd used his last two matches trying to light a fire, once more thwarted by wet wood. He spent the night sleeping fitfully, fighting pangs of hunger. Larry met the new day with a fever, chills, and aching joints. His throat felt sore and his lungs congested. Each cough crashed through his head like a battering ram. He climbed out of his sleeping bag and staggered through the woods, dragging it behind him, sometimes falling, sometimes sleeping where he fell. He drifted in and out of consciousness, imagining himself in warm places with food when he slept and waking to harsh reality. He no longer knew what day it was, where he'd been, or where he was trying to go. Finally, he stumbled over a rock and fell to the ground. He didn't have the strength or willpower to get up again. He lay laughing at his ridiculous predicament until his pain was too much. Then he cried and sought refuge in the darkness of unconsciousness. God, I'm dreaming again. It smells so good. He opened his eyes. I'm awake and alive, and the smell's still there. I'm so hungry, I'm imagining this. It took all his will to stand and a superhuman effort to walk. A sweet smell wafted to his nostrils, the hope of finding its source the only thing that kept him conscious. He stopped and scanned the surrounding woods. A tiny orange flicker caught his eye. A rush of adrenaline surged through him. My God, a fire! He crashed through the underbrush, stumbling in the direction of the glow. Branches pulled at his hair and tore at his skin, but he didn't care. Two simple, primal thoughts drove him. Food. Warmth. He stumbled into the campsite, crying for help. No response. Two packs stood up against a tree and a large pot of stew simmered over the fire. Help! Somebody! Anybody! Is anyone here? He croaked. Silence. He couldn't control himself. Whoever it is, they'll understand. He found a bowl by the fire, filled it with stew and ate, marveling at the huge chunks of stringy meat that filled the pot. Must be bear stew. I never tasted anything so incredible in all my life. When he'd eaten half the bowl, his stomach nodded and he vomited. Calming himself, he ate again, slowly this time. Just a few bites. When he'd eaten all he thought he could hold without getting sick, he curled up in his sleeping bag, fell asleep, waiting for his savior. He felt someone watching him. No, please, God, no, not another bear. He opened his eyes, blinking, and gazed into the lively brown eyes with a weathered, angular face. Ken's uncle. You, Larry gasped. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I was... He burst into tears. Calm down, son, the wiry old man said in his gravelly voice. The firelight danced in his eyes, reflecting his amusement. I understand. He stroked his speckled beard stirred the stew and tasted it. Calmed by the man's voice, Larry crawled out of his sleeping bag and sat upright in front of the fire. 
The old man ladled portions of stew into two bowls and handed one to Larry. I don't know how to thank you. Larry took the bowl in shaking hands. You've saved my life. I've been lost for days. He stuffed a piece of stringy meat into his mouth, chewed, then swallowed. This stew is wonderful. The old man wiped his mouth with the back of his hand and talked as he chewed. I can't take credit for this. It's my wife. She makes great stew. Larry looked over at the two packs leaning against the tree, then back to his host. A broad smile filled the old man's face. Larry stopped chewing. Glad you came along when you did, the old man said. His eyes glittered as he pulled an axe out from behind a log, raised it, and came at Larry. I was just about out of food. Larry hurled hot stew into his face. The old-timer howled and staggered backwards, arms flailing for balance, and Larry drove his head into the old man's chest, trapping the axe between the two of them. Crimson jetted from the old man's neck, spraying Larry's face with its hot stickiness. A gurgling sound came from deep in the old man's throat. Larry's tongue shot out, tasting rich saltiness. He stopped, horrified to see the old man twitching as life blood spewed onto the ground. Such a waste. Larry licked again. The hell with the stew. He sank his teeth into the open wound. I like my meat fresh. I told you. He recognized Ken's voice and froze. Once you get a taste for it, 